Hello, welcome to Hope Church Harrogate's message of the week. If you'd like to connect with us, please do get in touch at hello at hopeharrogate.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so I thought I would start this morning by sharing a story. And I realised that this story kind of continues the theme that Steve started last week with his anecdote about the broken mug. Um, and we were talking about this before um, in the Zoom room before the Sunday gathering. And so if last week we had the, the story of the broken mug, this week we are going to have the parable of the rubber gloves. And I, um, I, I brought my rubber gloves with me just so that you could really visualise the story. Um, I have got two, but I'm only going to wear one because I realised I can't scroll on my computer whilst, whilst wearing rubber gloves. So I've just got the one. But in case you're wondering, I do wash up with two gloves. I don't just wash up with one because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> Uh, so this was several years ago, the story. Um, this was back in the days when I didn't have the luxury of a dishwasher. Um, very sad. And uh, if you see me in the kitchen, you'll know that I am I'm quite a messy cook. So I tend to get out all the utensils and usually there are several spillages. And when my poor flatmate comes into the kitchen, when I finish cooking, it looks like there's been some kind of explosion. So you can imagine there is lots of washing up to do at the end of it. Um, so this was several years ago and as I was doing the washing up I really felt God speak to me so if you take anything from this morning if your internet suddenly dies or you get abducted by aliens or I don't know anything crazy happens and you don't hear the rest of the talk I'd really encourage you to talk to God when you're doing the washing up and ask him to speak to you because you never know what he might say it might it might change your life. Um, and this is actually a really life-changing moment for me. So I was doing the washing up and at this time in my life, I was really struggling um, with a lot of things. I was very stressed by my workload. I was struggling with a lot of anxiety um, and I was really struggling to feel God's, uh, God's peace and his love for me. Um, and I just felt like I was in a very dark place, a very lonely place. And as I was doing the washing up, I felt God draw attention to my rubber gloves. And I felt him say to me that actually, so when you do the washing up, you, you plunge your hands into the tub of water, um, but you can't feel the water, even though you're wearing your gloves, your hands stay dry. Hopefully they stay dry if you don't drop your glove in the water. <laughs> but that doesn't change the reality of the fact that the water is still wet. It's still 100% wet. Um, and I felt God saying to me that my anxiety and the difficulties that I was going through at the time um, was kind of like a, a pair of rubber gloves. Like it was distorting how I perceived reality. Um, the reality hadn't changed. God's promise to love me and be with me and never abandon me and to give me hope for the future. Uh, those promises were still 100% real even though I was going through a really difficult time in the same way that the water was still there, the water was still wet, even though my hands were dry. Um, and I think today we will probably all have our own version of the rubber gloves. So your rubber gloves might, might also be anxiety um, or maybe you're afraid of a specific thing happening. Um, maybe you have some kind of family problems or relational issues. Uh, it might be depression, it might be grief um, or some other problem that feels overwhelming. Um, and those difficulties are very real. Um, I don't want to deny the difficulty of the situations that we might be in. 
but I really believe that this morning God wants to open our eyes to the reality of his promises to us and his promise to, to love us and to be with us um, and to give us a glorious future. So the title for this morning's talk is The Promise is More Real Real Surroundings. Um, and I thought it was really cool. I heard that in Hope Families um, that you've just been talking about how God surrounds us. Um, and it's what we've been singing about this morning. We've been singing about how God is greater than it all. And so today we are looking at Nehemiah chapter nine. Um, and the connection with the rubber glove story is that I feel like they're in a they're in a rubber glove kind of situation. Um, I'm going to take my rubber glove off now because it makes my hands feel a bit weird. Um, so last week, Mark was talking to us about how the Israelites feasted and how uh, repentance was a joyful thing. Um, repentance is our friend. And this week, we're looking at a passage where they are now having a time of fasting and confession. Um, because to move forwards and to heal, they also need to recognize the, their own brokenness. And at this point in the story, they've, they've rebuilt the wall, uh, they've rebuilt the temple. So you might think, think that, you know, things are looking pretty good for them. Um, but the reality is they're still living in a barely habitable city. So the houses are still pretty much in ruins. Um, and as we've seen in the last few chapters, there's still poverty amongst them. They're still facing lots of opposition. And in this place of um, brokenness and difficulty, they pray this really powerful prayer where they remember God's love for them and they declare that his promises are still real. So as we read this passage, uh, we are going to think about how do we remember the reality of God's promise to us in the midst of our everyday lives, um, when we're in tough situations, um, in mundane everyday life, like whatever is going on in our surroundings. Um, so essentially, we're going to remember how do we remember that the water is wet, that it's there when our, our hands are dry. Uh, we're talking a lot about remembering, so look out for that word. Um, but we are also going to be looking at three Ps today. Uh, so I think a few weeks ago, Pete was talking about the four Gs. This week we have the three Ps. Uh, praise, promise and provision. So these are all things that we can learn to do looking at this passage. Uh, we can learn to praise God, remembering who he is remembering his promise to us so actually what is his promise what are the specifics of his promise and feeding ourselves on that and his provision remembering how God has provided for us so as we look at this passage have a look out for the Israelites talking about all of these three things um, and if you're like me you might like to get a highlighter out some different colored pens and you might want to highlight the different uh, the different p's um, as we go along so we are turning to Nehemiah chapter nine. Um, just to warn you, I'm going to skip a few of the verses because it's a really long prayer. In fact, I think it might be the longest or one of the longest prayers in the whole of the Bible. Um, but it's a really, really juicy passage. So please do go away and read the whole thing because it's such a um, meaty theological passage that is really, really encouraging. So Nehemiah chapter nine, I believe the verses are going to come up on screen. If you have a Bible, you can turn um great so verse one on the 24th day of the same month the israelites gathered together fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads those of israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners 
They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of law of, of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshipping the Lord their God. I'm going to go dive straight into the prayer in verse five. They say, blessed be your glorious name and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. You saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. You sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his officials and all the people of his land, for you knew how arrogantly the Egyptians treated them. You made a name for yourself, which remains to this day. You divided the sea before them so that they passed through it on dry ground, but you hurled their pursuers into the depths like a stone into mighty waters. By day, you led them with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the way they were to take. You came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and gave them commands, decrees and laws through your servant Moses. In their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. You told them to go in and take possession of the land you had sworn with uplifted hand to give them. But they, our ancestors, became arrogant and stiff-necked, and they did not obey your commands. They refused to listen and failed to remember the miracles you performed among them. They became stiff-necked in their rebellion, appointed a leader in order to return to their slavery. But you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Therefore, you did not desert them. We're going to go into verse 28. Um, there are lots more verses about the way God provides for them and the way that he keeps um, persistently loving them throughout all the times they turn away. And then it says, verse 28, but as soon as they were at rest, they again did what was evil in your sight. Then you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried out to you again, you heard from heaven and in your compassion, you delivered them time after time. And then we go to verse 36. But see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land you gave our ancestors so they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Because of our sins, its abundant harvest goes to the kings you placed over us. They rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please. We are in great distress. In view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Ooh, long passage, but and that is all one big long prayer. And there are just so many things that we could talk about um, in that passage. 
Um, but we're going to stick to the three P's. So the first P that we're going to talk about is praise. The Israelites start by praising God. And if we're going to remember that God's promise is more real than our surroundings, um, more real than our situations and the difficulties we might be going to, then praise is really important. Uh, because if we're going to hold on to the promises of God, then that involves trusting the promise maker that involves trusting the one who makes the promise. Um, and I'm aware that there is a lot that could be said about praise and worship. So as I talk about praise, I'm really only talking about a tiny little aspect of it um, and thinking about how praising helps us to remember God's promise. So when I was reading this passage, I was I find it quite interesting that they decided to start their prayer with praise um, because there are lots of ways that they could have started this prayer. So they could have started um, by saying sorry, like this is a time of fasting and confession. And they could have started by asking God to, to help them and to um, rescue them. They could have started by thanking him for specific things. Um, and those are all really good things. And they, they do all those things in their prayers. But at the beginning, they simply start by remembering who God is. They say, you alone are the Lord. You made the heavens. You give life to everything. And they keep coming back to this theme of praise throughout their prayer. They say, you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate. And you might have noticed that at Hope, um, when we pray together, whether that is on a Sunday morning or at the first thing or midweek groups or Tuesday morning prayer, pretty much any time we gather to pray, we start by recognising who God is. We start by declaring who he is and thanking him for who he is. Uh, and I have a bit of confession to make, which is that when I first came to Hope, I found it a little bit awkward. Like I didn't find it very easy um, to just declare who God is. Um, I don't know if any of you are like me in that, but um, I was used to the idea of praising God with worship songs. I was used to the idea of thanking God for specific things. And I was used to asking God for things. But the idea of just coming up with my own words and praising him in that way, I found it a little bit awkward. And I remember kind of coming to prayer gatherings before the Sunday morning gathering and thinking, what if I run out of things to say? Like, am I a really bad Christian if I don't know how to, if I don't know how to praise God? And, and like, why do I need to tell him who he is? Like he already knows who he is. And um, yeah, I just found it a very awkward kind of weird thing to do. <laughs> um, Hopefully I'm not the only one who has maybe had that experience. But the more I have praised God in that way, the more I've declared who he is and the more I've got used to that in our prayer times, the more I've realized why we do it. And the more I found I have things to praise God about. Um, because when we remember who he is, when we praise God in our own words, um, when we pray out scripture about who he is, it completely changes our perspective. So if we're going to remember God's promise to us in our everyday lives, um, it's really important that we remember who he is. And that might sound like a really obvious thing to say, but if we don't know that he is faithful and we don't know that he's powerful, um, we might think we know that, but how often do we forget that? Um, then we're not really going to trust that he will fulfill his promises to us which is why every Sunday we talk about the character of God um, and if you're if you're new to church or maybe you're new to faith um, 
maybe you've been watching on YouTube, you might be wondering why every week do they talk about God being loving and God being good and God being powerful? Like they say the same thing every single week. (laughs) And I had the same question as I was preparing this talk. I was like, am I really going to talk about how we need to remember that God is loving? Like, do I really need to say that? But actually we need to keep telling each other that. We need to keep singing about that. We need to keep reminding ourselves of that truth. Um, Because as we see in this passage, um, the Israelites, they keep forgetting who God is. They keep turning away. Um, And I think I can be a lot like that too. Um, It makes me think of Dory from Finding Nemo. Uh, Seeing a few nodding (laughs) nodding faces there. Who doesn't love Finding Nemo? Um, And Dory is uh, is a fish, if you've not seen Finding Nemo, and she has a very short-term memory. And I think when it comes to our understanding of God, uh, we can be a little bit like Dory and we forget who he is. Um, And that's why, or one of the reasons why we need to keep talking about who God is and keep declaring who he is. Um, And that's why this is a really long prayer in this passage. They retell their whole story. There is so much to say about who God is. Um, And again, this isn't like a prayer formula. I'm not saying that every time you pray or every time you start your day, you have to start by praising God. Um, Otherwise, God is going to be annoyed. That is not what I'm saying at all. But it's just such a helpful habit that will transform our hearts. Um, So just a few practical things to encourage us in that, um, to help us actively remind ourselves of God's character. I really encourage you, if this kind of feels a bit new to you and you're not really used to praying in this way then I really encourage you to just try doing it by yourself um, in your room um, weave it into your day declare who God is um, and see what happens see how that feels Um, and it will become more and more of something that you just do naturally also really encourage you um, when you come to our prayer gatherings um, maybe the first thing uh, if like me You maybe have felt a little bit awkward in the past about the idea of declaring who God is and that feels a bit strange to you. I'd really encourage you to try it. Um, It doesn't need to be complicated. Um, You don't need to say lots of clever words. Um, Sometimes I literally just say, thank you, Jesus, you are good. Like even something as simple as that um, helps us to fix our eyes on God. And you'll find, I think, the more that you praise God, the (laughs) the more you want to praise him and it will change your heart and it will bring healing and peace and joy. And all the good stuff, basically. <laughs> and some of you here will already do that. And you will praise God all day long. And I want to be more like you. Um, I think that's amazing. And my encouragement to you, really, is just to keep doing that. Keep praising God. Um, it's why we talk about, you know, prayer and worship and reading scripture and being part of church community. Um, those kind of spiritual disciplines, the reason we talk about them is not because, you know, God wants to make our life hard or because if we don't do them, we're, we're going to be terrible people. Um, but it's because we really need these things. We really need to remember who God is. And we need to make space for those moments in our lives where God can speak to us um, as we're doing the washing up or as we're walking along or as we're having a shower. Um, the Holy Spirit wants to wake us up to the reality of his love for us in the in the really difficult parts of life and in the really mundane parts of life. Um, he really wants to encourage us. Um, and I think part of it, um, another little practical thing is that it's really good to get into the habit of doing things, um, but also it can be helpful to be creative in the ways that we remind ourselves of God's love for us. So you might want to write a sticky note and 
I really love sticky notes. They're very useful. Um, you might want to write um, a verse on it. So you might want to pick a verse from this passage, like God is slow to anger and abounding in love. And then the first thing you see when you wake up in the morning is that promise about who God is. And it will change your whole view of the day because it takes off the pressure. It helps us to realize that actually God is not expecting me to get everything right today. That's okay if I get things wrong. Um, God is excited to be with me. He's abounding in love. Um, another thing you could do if you're less into sticky notes and you're a bit more um, techno is you might want to set a reminder on your phone. Um, so I have recently discovered the joys of phone reminders. Um, so I have to admit that I'm really bad at remembering to take out the recycling. It has taken me many, many years to remember to take out the recycling. But I discovered that if I set a reminder on my phone, I actually remember to take out the recycling. It's, it's just such a revelation. So you might want to go into your reminder app and you could set a reminder. So I have done it. I've set myself a reminder um, for tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Um, and I've just written down, God is slow to anger and rich in love. So tomorrow at 12 o'clock, I will probably be in the middle of emails and I will read that and I will be encouraged and I will praise God that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Um, and that will bring me joy. That will root me in the reality of his promise in the middle of my day. Um, and you might want to do that every week. You can set reminders for all sorts of times a day. Um, but I think it's just about continually reminding ourselves. Uh, the second P I'm going to talk about is the promise. And this might seem like a really obvious thing to say, but if we're going to remember that his promise is more real than what is going on around us and our surroundings, then we need to know what the promise actually is. <laughs> and we need to remember the specifics of his promise to us. Um, so to hold on to the promise, we need to grow in our understanding of what the promise is. Uh, and I think promise is probably one of those words that we throw around quite a lot at church. Um, and I think I sometimes forget fully what it means because it's such a big word. Um, and I can attempt to summarise it. So we could summarise it as saying, you know, his promise is to persistently love his people, to be with us, to give us a glorious future with him. Um, that's one way that we could summarise it. Um, if we look in this passage um, and we look at verse seven, the Israelites give a very specific um, kind of retelling of God's promise to them. So they say, you are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites and Gogotites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. And so we see in the Old Testament uh, God's promise to um, to bless Abraham and to bless his family and to bring blessing and redemption to all people through Abraham. Um, if you want to watch a really good video about that, I recommend the Bible Project video about covenants. It's really, really helpful. Um, but I think what's really interesting here is that they are very specific. So they remember how God changes Abraham's name. Um, and there's lots that could be said about that and what that means about identity. Um, they talk about the places that God has promised him. Um, and so I think it's really helpful for us to think, what is his specific promise to us? 
Um, you can look at um, the whole Bible for promises. We see in the New Testament that Jesus talks about the new covenant and that his death and resurrection means that we can be reconciled with God. Um, we get to live in loving relationship with our father. Um, we're made holy, so we don't have to keep making sacrifices. Um, there are literally so many promises in the Bible. And as I was thinking about how to talk about this, I was like, I don't really know how to talk about God's promise because it's like so many big words like new covenant, like inheritance, redemption, reconciliation, blessing. Like his promises are so rich and they're so vast. Um, but the good news is that we are called to spend our whole lives discovering the depths of his promises to us uh, because his promises are so big that um, it's, it's really hard to get our heads around them. Um, and maybe I think that is why we sometimes find it easier to start believing in the world's promises instead of God's promises because they tend to be a lot simpler, more straightforward, a lot smaller promises. Um, so, for example, that might be the promises of consumerism. Um, if you buy this product, then you're going to be happier and you'll be more popular and you'll be more successful. Um, or it might be the promises of individualism. Um, if you, you know, create your own identity um, and pursue your own path and your own dreams and you believe in yourself, then you're going to be fulfilled. Um, but the trouble with these promises is that they fail us um, and then we become disillusioned. Um, but also, I think more than that, that if we believe in these promises and we follow those promises, then we will live very cramped lives um, because the, the promises of the world are too small. Because um, essentially, we build our lives on promises. Um, and if it's a really small promise, then we're going to live a very small life. Um, and Actually, at this point, I'm going to you if you could get a picture up of, uh, this is very random, but it's a picture from Alice in Wonderland. Um, I really love the original illustrations in the Alice in Wonderland story. Um, and she grows too big for the room that she's in and she gets really squashed. Um, I don't know if the picture is coming up. Yeah, there it is, it's coming up. She doesn't look very happy, does she? Um, so she's grown too big for the room that she's in and she's all cramped. Um, and I, I just feel like this is such a good picture of actually how our lives are when we follow the promises of the world instead of God's promises. Um, and I realized actually in my own life that it's very easy um, for like the consumerism and individualism to actually seep into my understanding of God's promises um, to us as well. Um, I think Pete touched on this the other week when he was talking about individualism and how we can become very focused on what is God's call on my life. And it's great when we have prophetic words about our lives and it's great that we have, you know, God puts desire in our hearts and he gives us dreams. Um, and you know, if someone gives me a prophetic word about the fact that I'm going to become an amazing writer and be like C.S. Lewis, then that is wonderful. And um, uh, that is really exciting and something that I want to celebrate. Um, or it might be, yeah, it might be to do with your career. It might be to do with relationships, um, all sorts of things that we might want and that are really good to ask God for. But actually, those things are not the promise. God's promise is so much bigger than just one thing that he calls us to. And if we get too hung up on that one prophetic word, um, you know, that prophetic word might be really good, but there is so much more than just this one thing that we're called to do in life. God's promises are 
humongous and they're not just for me they're for us as a church they're for his people like this passage it's the israelites together declaring god's promise to them as his people um and god's promise is for us to live a, a life of love a life living in community with him and with each other and it's so much bigger than just about me um, and it's really hard to get our heads around um, but I really encourage you to feed yourselves on his promises um, to absorb promises in scripture to say them to yourself uh, write them on post-it notes you know how I love post-it notes um, put them in your pocket I used to write um, verses down often and put them in my pocket and then take them out in the day and and read them and that is such an encouraging thing to do um, wrestle with scripture you know that it's sometimes confusing like which bits in the bible are promises um there's so much rich theology around you know what are god's promises um i really recommend signing up to lead school of theology a uh, little ad there there'll be information about that in the newsletter um so many things that we can learn about god's promises from understanding the bible better um watch the bible project videos they're really helpful listen to the god's glorious grace podcast um they're all really simple things that i'm sure lots of you already know we need to do those things but the more we feed on his promises the more we're going to realize that they are so much greater than anything going on around us um, we really need to be living in the promise and living in the spaciousness of God's promise and breathing the promise um, because that is where we find freedom. And then finally, um, his provision, that's the third P. Um, so you might have noticed in this passage, if you did any highlighting, that there were lots of examples of how God provided for the Israelites. Um, so how do we remember his promise is more real than our current difficulties and our experiences? Uh, we hold onto the promise by remembering the ways God has faithfully provided for us before. Uh, so it says, you know, in their hunger, you gave them bread from heaven and in their thirst, you brought them water from the rock. Um, and again, this is a really simple thing. But if we remember the way he's provided for us before, that gives us faith that he is going to continue to provide for us and that he is faithful to his promises. Um, and actually, this was something I found really helpful about the glorious God's Glorious Grace podcast. I'm really advertising it. I found it really, really helpful. Um, and they were talking about the difference between praise and thanksgiving. And, you know, both are really important. And we've talked about praise of it already so thanking God for who he is um, and then there's thanksgiving which is thanking God for what he's done um, and that is why we share good news all the time why we share good news at the beginning of our Sunday mornings in the zoom room it's why we share good news in our midweek groups um, and actually that's one of the things I really love about midweek groups Again, a little plug for midweek groups. I feel like I'm doing a lot of advertising this morning. Um, <laughs> sign up to a midweek group in January um, because they're such an encouraging place where you, you share prayer requests. And so often when someone shares a prayer request, someone else will say, oh, I asked God for that and he provided for me in this way. And I was going through a really difficult time and God came through for me. Um, the power of testimony is really amazing. Um, when we remember that he's been faithful before, it helps us remember that he will be faithful again. Um, so really, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a summary, kind of a practical summary. How do we remember that his promise is more real than our surroundings? Uh, we keep declaring who God is. We keep praising him. 
This gives us perspective. It helps us to grasp our spiritual reality. We keep reading God's promises in the Bible and we live and breathe in his promise. We tell our stories of God's provision. Um, this helps us to trust him and to envision his promise and to, to know that we can trust in his promises. And I think um, something that I kept coming back to as I was preparing with this, that all these things are things that we do in community. Um, we don't just do them by ourselves. And so I just really want to encourage you, especially if you have found maybe Zoom really hard, if you've um, just found it really hard not meeting in person as a church, um, to keep being part of church community, um, you know, being part of a midweek group, um, praying together with each other, um, because we need to pray together just like the Israelites do in this passage, we need to remind each other of who God is and of his promise and of his provision. So we, we can remember to do all these things. We can take practical action to help us remember God's promise. But the good news is, is that God is very gracious. And because we are a little bit like Dory, we do forget. And if, if, if you've heard um, some of the practical suggestions and you thought, oh my goodness, I don't do enough of these things at all. And you feel burdened. Um, Please don't feel burdened um, because God has so much grace for us. We have his Holy Spirit living in us who empowers us um, to do these things. He keeps pursuing us, as we've seen in this passage. Um, that's an important part of his promise is that he helps us. He helps us as we grow in these habits, as we learn to praise him more. Uh, so